in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to the Potential Podcast with another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. I'm joined by my co-hosts and Jedi Master Taylor Sokol. And because this is a Star Wars episode, we're joined once again by our fellow Star Wars expert and superfan, Tim Fitzsimons, because today we're reviewing the new miniseries that came out on Disney Plus, Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, this premiered earlier this year in May, and we got two episodes came out the first day, and we had four more released uh, every Wednesday from that point on. And this is an interesting uh, moment because, for especially uh, fans uh, as we are, and really those prequel series were our Star Wars. Uh, Ewan McGregor coming back to reprise his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi and Hayden Christensen back to reprise his role as Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader. So uh, if you've not watched the series, go watch all of it before you come back because this will be a spoiler review. Spoiler warning. There it is. So uncivilized. So, uh, well, guys, okay. Before we get into actually reviewing the show itself, you know, Mandalorian has been very successful with kind of creating this original character, kind of giving us really that Boba Fett show we wanted. Then we had Boba Fett, and we all discussed on that that we liked a lot of it, but it was kind of a weird kind of path with like, you know, Mando was thrown into that show on point. And I feel like they had to kind of retreat to a favorite character because the plot was kind of all over the place. This probably had the biggest expectation of a show because of Ian McGregor being such a big star. This is a big role that a lot of people love him in. Tim, let's start with you. What was your expectation level knowing that we're getting this Obi-Wan Kenobi show and it finally premiered on Disney Plus, you know? Um, I will say expectations were high. They were absolutely high, um, especially when you think about, as you mentioned, Ian McGregor coming back, the announcement that Hayden was coming back to reprise his role as not not just Darth Vader, but Anakin, as you said. And that was the thing that everybody was kind of not freaking out about, but talking about when it first, when it first came down, because it wasn't a, oh, Anakin's, you know, Hayden Christensen will be playing Darth Vader. It, in all the releases, it was Anakin Skywalker. So it immediately piqued my interest of how are you going to use Anakin in this? See, you know, is it going to be flashbacks and, um, or or what or what have you and so for me and especially with you and coming back i had my expectations decently high um probably a little higher than maybe they should have been based on what we got out of book of boba fett um but at the same time it it, it matched the excitement expectation if that makes sense i i was just you know every episode i was locked in i was there i was you know I enjoyed it, um, st- I, I, but as but you know, story wise, you know, probably prob- it, it didn't necessarily hit those expectations as as I you know would have liked them to, but it came close, and I thought that the cohesiveness of the show did meet the expectations. It just it felt like a it it didn't felt as disjointed as Book of Boba Fett did. Book of Boba Fett because it would go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth so jarringly that. Um, this felt like a very cohesive story from beginning to end. Yeah. What about you, Taylor? Um, yeah, I agree with Tim. I think that this idea of this Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, series had been around for, for so long that I had definitely high expectations, but also little trepidation because I always like laugh and think, you know, 17 years between this, like what was Obi-Wan doing? Everyone's like, no, he's just sitting around tattooing, maybe getting a couple bar fights, you know, a little bit. But there was like, okay, it's like 17, 19 years of untapped history. This is going to be exciting. Plus the fact that we're getting Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen's going to be back. So I was like, that's going to be interesting. And I was really interested to see what the relationship with Obi-Wan was going to have with Luke. I was really invested. What was that going to happen? Was there going to be... Because based on these inferences, like what's going to happen? And we have this big, you know, pressure to how do you fit this between what is already established in the original trilogy 
and then blend in with the prequel because you get a lot of these lines and and connections that Vader says and and Leia says later and and, and Obi Wan says. So I, I was really um, I was nervous, but excited. I was cautiously optimistic. I would say that. Yeah, I think for me the biggest thing was thinking we've had you know with the new trilogy there was some okay and somewhat well done lightsaber fights and you know really i think the the best thing that's come out post the prequels apart from maybe the animated shows where they really get the highlights some really intense uh fight scenes was that end moment of mandalorian season two with luke uh really kind of showing what a jedi properly can do and so knowing that ewan is coming back and hayden my expectation was oh we're gonna have some awesome lightsaber action in this and although eventually that did happen i will say my expectation of what the show could have been knowing that we're getting the inquisitors which for me i really only know the inquisitor storyline from playing fallen order uh mm -hmm. you know the video game i haven't watched rebels and all that and so i don't really know much of their storyline and uh i was curious to be like okay obviously vader being the big bad we're gonna have the inquisitors going down trying to hunt down the remaining jedi what what can they do with that as well because you know we love the the double-sided lightsaber but this being one that can circle around and turn is really a, a cool yeah. idea um but i also being that you know ian mcgregor kind of is aging into the role properly where you know a lot of people always they do that joke of like how do you go from there to there in 17 years and become old and gray and white i'm like well Maybe there's some stressful stuff that happens during that 17 years when he is watching Luke. To quote Jar Jar Banks, uh, this is doing murder to Misa's skin. So, you know, hey, Tatooine son, <laughs> it ages you. Tatooine. But um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so going into the show, really the, the main premise here is this is set 10 years after Order 66, which obviously ended uh, episode three with and with, you know, Anakin turning into Vader and all that stuff. And then their big confrontation where Obi-Wan did feel like he left off essentially killing Anakin, or at least maiming him enough that he wouldn't have survived that. Well, of course, we know that Emperor Palpatine did uh, get to him, turns him into Vader with the whole suit and everything, and that was kind of where it was left off. We had our, you know, Luke and Leia. Leia goes off to Alderaan, Luke being left on Tatooine, and Obi-Wan being like, I'll stay here and watch over uh, Luke to make sure that he's, uh, you know, safe and everything. Well, during this time, we have now the Inquisitors, and the Inquisitors were mostly Jedi that were left over that were turned uh, and basically are Force-sensitive people that were turned, and their job was to go hunt down the remaining Jedi. And I do think that, uh, you know, I, I first want to ask this question to Tim, mainly because I know you have watched all of Rebels and you're a big fan of that show as well. First off, right off the bat, we have these images of the Grand Inquisitor coming in, and we've had... Like in episode three, people of the same species done very, very well. Now, of course, there's movie budget and there's TV budget. Always going to be slightly different, even for Disney. What was your overall thought of just look of the Grand Inquisitor explored in this show? Because, you know, we didn't have, obviously, uh, Jason Isaac wasn't available or wasn't even looked at to be cast. We have Rupert Friend, who I think is a great actor. Tim, what, what do you think of just first off the look of the Grand Inquisitor in the show? I thought the look was spot on i mean you just just like when you know we think about cad bane coming in at the end of book of boba fett he has a very stylized look within clone wars and then again within rebels because of the animation style that is utilized um same with the grand inquisitor you know very much more like v-shape to the bottom of his face because that's the style of what Rebels did. I mean, you even look at like what Darth Vader looked like in Rebels and in uh, at the end of Clone Wars and everything, very stylistic. So when you're translating that into real life, you know, things are going to be adjusted to make it work best for whatever you need for live action. And I thought that they did a great job, you know, doing that with Rupert um, and not, you don't need to have a huge animatronic face. You, you just, you know, you put the make you put the makeup on and you adjust it with the markings and everything to look like it. So the look of the of the Grand Inquisitor and even the rest of the Inquisitors was spot on. I mean, Fifth Brother looks almost exactly like he does within Rebels. Um, it's I thought the look of them were, were great, and you know they all you know they have their lightsabers on their back just like they do in the show in Rebels and everything. So 
the the design of those characters definitely i thought was really well done and put together very well yeah we have uh, grand inquisitor we have fifth brother and we have our new character reva who is third sister and mm -hmm. she is they're all three of them are on tatooine and they're hunting down a jedi not specifically obi-wan kenobi they're actually hunting down a a, a different jedi and we come to find that, yeah, Obi-Wan, who now, of course, is going by Ben, although I still think it's funny, it's Ben Kenobi. It's like, does no one put those two together? Like, he's just Ben over there. He's working, like, at a, like, some kind of meat tattooing, meatpacking plant. Yeah, like, meat you know, he's always, he's always stealing himself a little bit for his, his EOP. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, he's just kind of living his life. And we do, yeah, we come to find out that he he's basically kind of detached himself from the force out of safety out of you know detached himself from the force where have we seen that before hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Big, you know one of those things from episode eight that everyone's like oh why would luke do that it's like there's precedent thank you and good night yeah and also in fallen order as well mm -hmm. yep absolutely yeah. you know you get you have to hide if you're trying to hide yourself the easiest way. Yeah, is just, I always think nope, too. Is, yeah, I don't have it anymore. It's. I think it's also like we we always constantly forget that how big the empire is, even regardless of, of force sensitive inquisitors and you know this presence of Vader, which uh, you know at, at this point in the show Obi Wan doesn't even know exists. There, you know, this idea that uh, there's so many. You know, the empire's huge. It's vast. So of course there's going to be a lot to. Let's play it safe. Let's not give ourselves attention uh, where we don't need to be. But these characters show up. They're looking for this young Jedi in a bar, and they're definitely, uh, you know, they're they're gonna do what they need to do to get information out. But we even see already that Reva is a little more, a little more outside the normal practice, I guess, what the Inquisitor is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And we see that there's already a bit of a uh, there's tension between the Inquisitors that she's kind of a little too rough, a little too. You know, a little, little, I guess, a little too over the edge, and even the Grand Coasters is like, you know, you will pay for what you, you know. You can see this whole like, the rank system is a little like she's, she's a little bit of a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, a rebel. Probationary status. Yeah, she's still getting used to. She's still an what? intern. <laughs> yeah, she's still an intern. There you go. That's it. Um, but of course, we're getting a little more that she's really kind of doing what she can because she wants to get Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, whether that's to gain the favor of Vader or for some other reason, we're still looking to find out. But uh, I did like this first episode. I think, you know, a lot of people are a little tired of the Tatooine thing, but it's like, that's where a lot of the story happens for the Skywalker. So it's like, it's going to be on Tatooine. That's where Luke is. That's where he's chilling. I did. One of my favorite moments of this episode was the kind of nightmare sequence we see Obi-Wan going through where he's having these visions of seeing Anakin turn and fighting him and all that. And he's just like, uh, waking up from these nightmares. And even then, Qui you know, him calling out for Qui-Gon, there was a lot of setup that maybe we're going to finally get that Qui-Gon force ghost moment. We've been wanting Liam Neeson to come back in the show. So I thought overall it was a great first episode. But the other plot line that really sets up a lot of the show is with Leia. I was not a big fan of this Leia storyline, to be, to be frank. Uh, personally for me, how the show evolves into where it ends leads a lot to why Leia would want help from Obi-Wan in the future. But I was a little like, this is where Disney kind of, to me, it's like the Disney plus, like we need that kid angle, be a little bit not so adult content. And so, yeah, this whole kidnapping scene with, with Leia and it's Flea, which I'm already like, obviously it's not, he's not playing Flea, but I'm like, it's Flea from Hot Chili Peppers. That whole scene was a uh, heavily, uh, <laughs> just got negative criticism for a lot of fans because it did seem too easily like her trying to escape through the woods and everything but ultimately she's kidnapped and that's why uh bail organa is like hey obi-wan you're the only person i know who can go save my daughter can you go off and save my daughter uh, this is kind of our first big all right now obi-wan's gonna go off to try to track down and find the kidnappers of leia and this is what to me okay this is the show always feels like it's like Here's our location for this episode. Now we're going to go off to the next location. And that's kind of how it was for every episode. Um, I did like part two uh, of this kind of cool planet Dayu. It looked like Hong Kong or something. Like, 
a little bit of Blade Runner kind of thing. Um, What do you think of going into episode two where it did feel a little more like, okay, now we have to really be on our our, our disguise and our guard, a little more action uh, for episode two there, or I should say part two. Everything was part part one, part two, part three, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I felt like obviously the stakes are raised a little bit. Of course, we know Obi-Wan's going to get out of it. He's not going to get in like massive you know, amount, but it was a little cool, a little edgy. I think anytime they can go to different planets, I mean, it's, there's a, you know, all these galaxies that I like when they can add a little bit more dynamic. And I thought was one of very interesting part that I, it's kind of interesting. We talk about Obi-Wan detached in the force. He has this feel of, and it adds more gravitas and, and weight to his, you know, Alec Guinness portrayal, original portrayal. Is he suffering with that PTSD? And he's a war general and he, you know, lost his comrade. And then you see the scene with this, you know, clone trooper who's just peddling for money. And I thought that was really like, although how small that was, it meant like a great deal. Like, wow, like one, there's like, wait, does he recognize Obi-Wan Obi- recognize him? And also like, wow, that these clone troopers were just discarded. You know, oh, they served their time. Now we're just getting... Which, which made no sense to me for the Empire. They would have been, had better, you know, Jawi clones. But I thought that was a really, like, small moment. But you just it shows the overall weight of what the show is. I mean, the Emperor's decision to get rid of the clones um, had a lot more to do with um, the expense of them. How expensive it is to create clones and to keep them going. Because you have to keep replenishing them. They are just going to keep aging and aging. Um, and so it... You know, he decided that it would be more cost effective, you know, just like every every ruler tries to do to make their budget <laughs> and their government work. Um, they they got rid of the good fighting force and went with a conscripted fighting force, uh, which is explored a bit in um, Bad Batch. Um, I all, but no, th- this moment was fantastic because, you know, not only for the uh things you mentioned taylor but also it was the first time that tamura morrison has ever actually played a clone trooper he had never ever been in that armor because everything in episodes two and three was all cgi clone troopers with his face put on so but it but it definitely adds that you're right right it adds that gravitas of like you know he's walking like does oh is he gonna is he gonna out me he's gonna no he just you know sees he just is asking for he's panhandling for money because that's the only way he can survive um, I thought episode two was, I mean, or part two was great, um, especially introducing Kumail. Yeah, Nanjiani Kumail is... was hilarious. Such a funny moment. And like, I, I saw people <laughs> also kind of like banging on this as like, why are we having this comedic kind of character in Star Wars? I'm like, there's always been comedic characters in the Star Wars. If you love C3PO, C-3PO? and I kind of <laughs> actually like this, that if you're looking at this is post- Order 66, where Jedi are kind of, you know, demystified. And, uh, you know, if you do any connection to Jedi, it's a bad thing. Him working as a con artist where he kind of has this a layer market, set up. Yeah. Where it's like, I can get you out. And he knows know. how to do it just as a go for it. little money. Yeah, I thought that was great. And uh, and Obi-Wan, of course. It's very Wizard of Oz-esque, where he's just the man behind <laughs> the, the curtain. The man behind <laughs> the curtain. Yes, yes. Seeing right um, through him, but also him, him having to kind of... Uh, step up to help obi-wan uh, in you know the big chase scene that happens in that uh episode and even him kind of being like look i know i've made some bad choices i love when he was like look i like credits like i like i think all of us agree we're like we don't necessarily want to con people for money but we all like money uh money makes the world go around and so i love that he was a little more like honest but he was like i am we are behind you we will do what we can to help and I, so I love that angle that it was not just this is some, it wasn't like the character of Benicio del Toro in Last Jedi who yeah, comes kind off of, like nice, but yeah. in the end just does it for money. This was more of a, a, a good guy who's just made a couple of bad choices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did uh, like the whole chase sequence was great with Reva tracking down on the rooftop, you know, oh, on the rooftops. rooftops, the action yeah. of like her, her parkouring around like, but again, was unique is that. To this point, Kenobi still hasn't used his lightsaber. He doesn't want to use his lightsaber because he doesn't want to give himself away. So, so funny to think of him having to constantly use this blaster, and especially after Episode Three, so uncivilized. You know, he's he has well, like, no it's love also for like the, it's yeah that, and also like the lightsaber represents everything that it fails. So he's kind of like almost like he's very reluctant to use it. It's almost like you know that hero. It's it's so like myth, mytholo- uh, mythological. Excuse me. 
and that kind of King Arthur legend, you know, I, I don't want to pick up the sword again. And so I, I love on, on both those levels, but it's like, he's such a, he's not the greatest shot. So he's just like, man, well, but neither are these troopers. So it's, a, it's a, and all these little other guys. So <laughs> that part one where the, the young Jedi that does kind of escape and he's like, dude, we have to do something. And he's like, forget it, forget the power, just hide yourself, go away and hide. Like he's, he's that worried about revealing himself that he's even telling fellow Jedi, like, give it up, man. He's that broken. I mean, everything that happened in episode three um, to Anakin and, to, and, you know, and by proxy to him and um, just, he just feels absolutely devastated. And going back to what you were saying, Chris, about um, Leia, the Leia storyline. I mean, I get, I, I totally get where you're coming from with that ending and chase scene with Flea and all that. However, with, with the introduction of her character and being the, you know, adventurous type, you know, just going out on her own and, you know, going out into the woods and then hurt the challenging that she does of Obi-Wan through, you know, into, through and into part three and actually all the way to the end of the series. Um, I was happily surprised by introducing Leia into all of this because it it allows you to have, you know, because you're like, okay, well, it's been Ben and Luke on, it's going to be Ben and Luke on Tatooine, you know, doing stuff and protect, but then we have, all, there, there's that 19 years that we don't know exactly what's going on with Leia. And I think, feel like this really lays the groundwork for who Leia becomes eventually and who and why and like i think like you said why she eventually thinks of obi-wan as her only hope when we get into uh you know the end of rogue one into um episode four a new hope also it's just great to get more of alderaan because we never really got we don't we get like a little bit in episode three and obviously it's blown up in the new hope but we never really get a lot of it. So I was excited to kind of see more of this planet and getting Jimmy Smith's back as Bail Organa. I like, I love that he's popped up from Rogue One to this. I thought that was just great adding that cohesiveness um, of, of him coming back for that. But yeah, that's that, those are the highlights for me of having that Alderaan storyline and kind of showing more of how she built her character. I thought there was, I like that. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and just how different, you know, she, you know that Bale and his wife are raising her to be you know the stateswoman the, the future leader of Alderaan and then by the end you know once she's I mean yeah she's 10 years old has she figured out the world yet no but she un, but going through this journey with Obi-Wan she understands the gravity of what she needs to do she understands the gravity of what she can become and what dangers are out there and i think in and like i said i think it lays the groundwork really well for who she eventually becomes and as strong of a woman she becomes to break out of the mold as has been said since episode four came out she's not a damsel in distress she's a heroine who happens to be captured and then takes control because she knows what to do. She's been doing this for a long time. Not my first time being captured. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think I grew to like a little bit more as the series went along, but it did feel like it feels like Disney has this with, with their use of Lucasfilm so far at times has a, like at times they're, they're okay with doing a little more violent stuff. And at times they're not. And I thought because they had this little girl angle at times, it was a little, not as intense as I would wanted it to be. There's moments coming up that do kind of lead to that, but I do, yeah, I think we've had so much Luke. It's like, they wanted to be like, we need to have a Leia or like, we need to have more of a female storyline in this. Cause again, it is heavily guy heavy, uh, which is why I think ultimately they made Reva in the first place is to have that kind of storyline. But it, it, that episode did end with Reva hunting down Kenobi and Leia, and we're like in this this uh, little moment where they're gonna try to escape on this, you know, on the ship, and the Grand Inquisitor shows up, and Reva does stab and what we think kill the Grand Inquisitor, uh, which left the internet in shambles because of, of course, with canon, it was like he can't be dead. He has a whole storyline in Rebels five years after this, but uh, that did lead for them to escape. So it was again, like her, her, her desire to win the prize got her not winning the prize. And so now they've escaped, but it was a great little end moment of 
Anakin Skywalker is still alive. And I love this moment of Obi-Wan thinking, oh my gosh, Anakin. And we see Vader in the back to tank and like all that stuff was a great like, yeah, he's still there. Hello. Uh, which is was was great. Um, and leading up to part three, where we're, oh boy, this is where we really got Vader for the first time in all the glory. And I, I didn't really like how much they show, how much they show Vader, like how the suit goes on to him and how much, uh, you know, with the arm clipping on him, the chest plate, all this stuff, like the dude's in a lot of pain constantly and all this stuff, you know, the way the suit kind of goes on. I think, you know, we, for the first few episodes, uh, the original trilogy, we always just saw the suit and didn't really know much about it. Minus the head plate would go on a few times. This just really showing how much there's so many parts and stuff that have to go on of the damage yeah. that Anakin suffered. Just mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, and it it's it, the the suit was in part designed by Palpatine to uh, to cause more pain and to be difficult for Anakin to handle because that was one of Palpatine's ways of keep uh, basically containing and keeping in check Anakin's power which you know could you know if he didn't do if he didn't put checks on the power then and then Vader would have risen up against Palpatine at some point but because he's constantly having to utilize his force powers to negate the pain you know to try to you know just to be comfortable in any way shape or form um he's you know does he can't he can't think of anything else other than obeying his master but uh yeah we have uh kenobi and leia they land on this mining planet mapuzo and i did love we have uh we have this character of frack right is that his name frack i think so yeah freak frack hold on where is frack I'm a, yeah i'm a frick. frack I did like the uh -huh. scene. So, yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't have, you know, actually, and we'll kind of touch on this with Tatooine. Tatooine always has come off as a planet with not just humans, but as many aliens and droids. And actually, that whole first episode, and what we'll get later, there's not a lot of alien droid action on the planet, which was interesting. Um, but we do get this character of Freck, who he looks like a mole or, you know, some kind of mole alien character. And he's got this transport. And so, uh, Leon and Kenobi are trying to just get to, uh, you know, somewhere they can meet up with their Tala, who's the member of right, that's her name, right? Tala. Yep. Tala yeah. is yeah. Yeah, who's a member of the Path. So she's she's acting like a, a, a you know someone from the Empire, but she's really part of this Path, which is like the secret hidden group that's trying to you know do their thing. And I did like that. You know, he came off very nice, very friendly. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, just in that that's Zach Braff, who, of course, is hilarious doing that role. But when they get on the back of the ship and they see that there's a flag of the Empire it was very interesting because I think, again, sometimes when Star Wars kind of tries to mimic things that are happening in our world, that easily this guy would have sold them out. How do you know that they're Jedi? But he came off very friendly and just like, oh, yeah, we're I'll take you as far as I can. And the whole scene of them on the transport with some stormtroopers was was great writing it just was great writing that the tension i really felt i was like oh crap at any moment he's got to use that lightsaber um and even when he actually was like that's enough leia and he was like i thought you said her name was something else um oh, her mother, mother's yeah. name. i uh forget things and like oh the tension was so good um and then getting to that cool like gate like they had like the lasers and everything that was a great scene but again there was a lot of uh internet humor of like why don't you just walk around it? It wasn't like it was like it wasn't like a situation where like there was two rock walls and then the only you could go past was that. It was like open desert. It wasn't like it was like that uh crazy, but there was that great moment where we do see in the distance what looks like Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan's now having these like crazy, even in real life visions where he's like, Oh, I thought I saw, you know, he sees it for a second and it is Anakin with like his Jedi robe, like when he turned to Vader at the end of episode three. And of course it's not actually there, but I thought that was a great little touch too, where he's having these visions and nightmares of like, oh gosh, Vader's out there somewhere and he's gonna, he's gonna come for me. Um, but I, I did love that moment when the stormtrooper fell and got chopped in half mm. by the laser. That yeah. was just fun. But yeah, Tala comes to, to rescue them and 
they kind of go off this little village and then vader shows up with the inquisitors and oh so we're forgetting a very important character i'm getting to it yeah i'm getting to it (laughs) don't worry no i did love yeah we have a new droid ned b who body acting was done by my friend dustin uh who's this great guy he's six eight he taught he taught me choreography for crazy a few years ago um but he's the body of that droid uh which is awesome and i just love the design of that droid too it looks very different than we've had before um and i love that it kind of is, it's super strong and there's like a hammer i wish we got a little more action with the hammer we didn't really get much with the hammer but um they're trying to escape and vader shows up and for a show that i thought wasn't going to go very dark vader walking through this village looking for obi-wan went very dark real quick very dark. him choke grabbing people he snapped some necks this was awesome this is the vader we like after seeing that end scene of rogue one mm-hmm. we kind of were like yeah i want to see more of that vader utilized in live action and this is where we got our first real taste of how badass vader can be yeah, this was just like such a great scene. I mean, like reminiscent of Rogue One. I mean, he's just like, just like grabbing people and dragging them, away. and like, and you're like, man, he's he just and he's like, no, he's like, he's trying to lure out Obi Wan, and he's just, I'm just messed doing mind games with Obi Wan now, and it's just such a, just this whole episode was so tension filled. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, so great, and uh, yeah, Kenobi's like, all right, I'll go off and kind of distract him so you can try to get Leia out, but Reva shows up to get Leia. But this Kenobi Vader, this first, if you will, confrontation, we all remember that this this is Kenobi very weak. He hasn't used this lightsaber in 10 years. He It's not like he kept up with his fencing, if you will. Um, you know, it's like he's, he's not very strong with the Force right now, and Vader is full-on very powerful with the Force. And I, it, it, was, it was just a great scene of seeing Vader kind of dominate kenobi and almost play with him and be like you know because he did lose their last battle together their, their you know the last big duel where he was maimed and really became the darth vader we know now and you know that line this is what you, you you've made me like mm-hmm. and then even then like you know obviously vader's pissed about being burnt and all this shit him having all that like fuel go on the ground and then he lights it with his lightsaber oh my gosh it was just like I love when we get to see more force power stuff that we haven't really seen a lot in the past. And this was, this was like round one Vader, Vader wins. Um, Mm -hmm. But I did think that Obi-Wan should have been burnt a little more in that fire. He was in that fire for quite some time. He was being dragged on those coals, you know, he was being dragged specifically on the coals and um, they weren't, you know, an evenly spread (laughs) going, you know, technical, they weren't evenly spread across the ground, which means that it wasn't just like, a complete wall of flame like there were there were pockets so Chris, off, this is this is how we're gonna get the old obi-wan he's gonna be scared. He's just weathered and fine um, um but no it was it was great scene but i was shocked though that you know we have this kind of distraction moment ned comes over picks up obi-wan and they're able to kind of get away and vader's didn't want to hop over the the fire and finish him off it was like i'll let him leave and i'll get him next time <laughs> like okay i guess um, and one thing to bring up here, I guess, because it is a really cool thing, you know, obviously James Earl Jones has been the voice of Darth Vader, uh, and he, being very old now, and we even noticed this in Rogue One, it was like Vader does sound a little older. Um, they did a great kind of hybrid with his voice and using, did they use like technology from like the former movies to kind of form like, he sounds a little bit more like the original trilogy in this show compared yeah. to Rogue One, if you will. They use similar technology as to how they de-aged uh, Mark Hamill's voice in Mando and Book of Boba Fett um, in order, and, and it sounds, like Darth Vader's voice sounds like spot on perfect to me anyway, from what, from how he sounds in that original trilogy. And it was, it was nice because, you, you know, you're right, you're Rogue One, he had, he has some great moments, but the voice was, it's like, I love James. He just, you know, he's getting up there. There's going to be, and there's going to come a point where he's not going to be a, alive or available to do any of this and so coming up with this technology while he's still around you know in all in, in everything i you know just to make sure that this is right this is so that we can use vader's voice in the future as necessary 
But uh, yeah, Reva uh, has captured Leia and has gone to the Fortress Inquisitorius, which is, again, having played Fallen Order, is I just love the design of that place. This looks great. This this fortress out in the middle of this water planet. It does feel a little like kind of like Azkaban in a way. It's like you know, just it looks like uh, just really cool design. And so yeah, Episode Four was the big "Let's go save Leia" episode, and. Uh, this by far, although I think it had some great moments in it, was probably the weakest episode of the lot. But again, I just loved how vast this fortress looked. Like, again, that technology that they've been using for these Disney Plus shows where they have, like, a big sound studio and the screens that can go, they can make things look so vast. And I do think some of this just looked gorgeous. I love the I love the design of the whole fortress. I think it's really cool. Um, and I, <laughs> I know it's slightly different time period in the in those 19 years but i kind of wanted to like i kind of wanted cal kestis just kind of like show up you know and be like oh hey but you know it's like <laughs> that might save for another day uh but yeah obi-wan having to go and save leia the thing with this episode was it did feel like there's these moments in star wars where our heroes kind of get away with some things where they should easily be caught or seen doing <laughs> but we have to kind of get to the point of the episode to get leia away and it's like are these are these people in this fortress just that dumb or that uh <laughs> the best coolest? thing the best yeah best thing when he's like oh his big coat and it's like it's and he's got Leia hidden there it's like it's like <laughs> Mupp, it's like Muppets trying yeah. to like oh I'm it reminded like, me fall. of uh it reminded I'm me of human. um you remember Little Rascals where the two of them go to the yeah. bank and uh yeah. <laughs> the, that's what, yeah it was again I think there's some cool moments I loved. Obi-Wan's getting a little more better with his lightsaber again and things are starting to come back to him like that one scene just from a lighting perspective where Leia was in the middle of like her little you know torture chamber chair and the two stormtroopers are like guarding her and the lights go out and then Obi-Wan gets one puts his lightsaber down again goes over gets the other that was just like a cool like that was great and but again we have like then this hallway scene where there's like a bunch of stormtroopers shooting at him oh i see now we're back to stormtroopers that don't really know how to shoot or not shoot well uh but he gets to ricochet one of them and hits the water you know hits the glass and did no one in this empire when they were building this fortress did they not get you know a contractor that really knew what kind of glass to use because uh it wasn't blaster proof apparently um (laughs) but the doors are i was like oh wow those doors are built to sustain the water for a time um but yeah you know it, it it wasn't that it seemed too easy it just it was one of the it was one of the shorter episodes too it was only about like 34 minutes mm-hmm. and it just it seemed like a b c d to get to where we need to go and even reva interrogating leia wasn't very intimidating to me it was like reva this character and a lot more is revealed in the next episode we'll get to that just this is the character we're following of the inquisitors and they're always like you'll you'll pay for your insolence you know, I'm like, but she never does. Essentially, fifth brother, his role went from like, he's kind of there, he's kind of there, and then he disappeared. We never saw him again. A waste, a waste of time. But um, yeah, it did crack me up that they're, they like are leaving and have this giant jacket on. And it's like, does no one see them? It looks like, yeah, it looks like me trying to smuggle food into a movie theater in the summer. <laughs> it's like nothing to see here. Even Tala with her little speaker thing, she's like, you know, all right, go into the chamber four. What's that officer over there talking to? Yeah. Uh, no, don't listen to me. Nothing. Like, go, to the, go to the left, go to the right. Well, Does no well, one notice anything? And, and of course, the fact that, like, this is true. This happens in episode four, A New Hope. This is this happens more than once where it's like they they have to set their comm link down and go somewhere else. And the other person, and they don't tell the other person, hey, I'll be right back. Be right back. You know, don't say anything too loud. Otherwise, people will hear you. No. She sets it down. She goes away. And then you just hear Obi-Wan going, Tala! Tala, where are you? Tala! Where, yes. where are you? Tala! And it's like, okay, if you don't hear from her, maybe, you know, give her a little bit of time. Because maybe you need to be quiet for a second there, buddy. Just, you know, to make sure that nobody else <sighs> Yeah. But they, uh, they do escape. And Vader's pissed. So we thought the Vader was about to kill Reva, but she's like, no, I put a tracking device on the ship. And then he goes, it seems I 
misunderstood you. I, I underestimated you. So he's, he spares her because she did put a tracking device. And then the next episode, actually, this is what I wanted more of from the show as a whole. Because with Hayden Christensen coming back to play Anakin slash Vader, him mostly being in the suit, it's not like you're actually seeing him act, let alone it's not really his voice. He's still James Earl Jones. So I was like, we're not really getting a lot of Hayden, minus like the back to tank. We get this kind of flashback scenes throughout this part five of uh, a training thing where they're they're you know doing like a lightsaber fight with training. And even though they didn't really de-age Hayden as much as they they could, I don't know if they de-aged him at all. I mean, he still looks young, clearly, but he's not as babyface young as he was in episode two. I did love this montage they did throughout this episode to really highlight that Anakin's issue is that he he his desire to win, his desire to be top dog is his downfall. Yep. Um, whereas Obi-Wan, although he's a very strong, skilled lightsaber, you know, duelist himself, he knows how to handle situations without even needing a lightsaber uh was a was a great kind of montage throughout the episode yeah i agree um as you know it's because it really just it just leans into every decision that vader has made you know it it, it, you keep seeing it it's like oh i will i will go face him alone i'm i'm not going to take you know a whole squad of troopers with me this is this is on i'm going to do this all, all on my own which is that headstrong, which is the headstrongness that Anakin showed. Carries on to New Hope when he when he fought Obi-Wan for the final time. Yeah, I mean, like, if you remember in episode two, um, when they get up to Dooku, Obi-Wan's like, yeah, we'll take him together. And he goes, no, I'm taking him now. And he just, and he Leroy Jenkins this shit <laughs> to try to take out Dooku. I mean, I mean, even, even, even his, uh, in New Hope, when he gets out the TIE fighter, he's like, you know what? I'm going to go out and do this myself. I'm going to show you boys how it's done. You know, when he gets his own little TIE fighter. So it's, it really adds to his character throughout the other movies. Uh, but I did like in this episode we have uh, our, our members of the path are like in this facility and it's closed in with this, you know, where the ships were able to escape. And Reva shows up with a bunch of stormtroopers and they kind of understand that they're a little outmatched. You know, it's and like. She, and we, we have forgotten to mention she has been named the Grand, Grand Inquisitor. Inquisitor. Yes. She was told that, you know, you do a good job. You know, you get hey, the job promotion. You, you were an intern, now you got the job. Congrats. There you go. You worked away from the mailroom. I know. Be, <laughs> it's my, It's like an office. It's Ryan. And, uh, I succeed in business without really trying. Exactly. And Fifth Brother's just pissed. <laughs> I've been here for years. I don't get nothing. <laughs> right, um, Wilson. But, uh, yeah, Kenobi kind of understands. Maybe if I can uh, negotiate with Reba, we can maybe save some bloodshed. And this was the big reveal moment which we all kind of saw coming anyway because of some of the flashbacks and some of the stuff going on but reva knows who vader is she she knows that it's anakin skywalker reva was a young lena at the jedi temple when order 66 went down anakin stabbed her when she was a kid she survived so that was already an interesting point because i was like if you knew that it was anakin this whole time but then we kind of get revealed later in this episode that Anakin also knew who she was this whole time. So I'm like, why would he have hired her as an Inquisitor? Maybe to see what her allegiance would have been. Like maybe, you know what, the Jedi were bad anyway, so maybe she'll join my team and see what she, well, what her, you know. you got to think the Sith are manipulative. I mean, look at oh, uh, Palpatine in Endor when he's like, I knew this whole time. I, I wanted to lay him in a trap. So you never know. But yeah, it was, but now we see a thing. Like, you get stabbed people can live i'm like seriously what happened to qui-gon he got stabbed and he didn't live i'm getting him annoyed here yeah yeah that's pretty one of my favorite memes is where you know quiet you know like this guy get, this person gets stabbed this person gets stabbed and they live and it's just it's steve carell's face from the office on Qui-Gon going just like with that <laughs> like with teeth bared like oh what the hell <laughs> yeah poor qui-gon the fight though between uh vader and reva was really fun to watch because vader's just toying with her he just he didn't he barely did anything he just was i'll float over here i'll go over there like she just i'll I'll roll my shoulder this way and then back this way Um, just showing how massive he is which was awesome yeah and like i was saying earlier about the uh the armor um the, the big huge like plate that sits on top of his shoulders at least according to some of the like youtube channels that i've seen um the 
that that itself is made of durasteel, which is you know what they use on capital ships. So this is like heavy. This is a heavy plate, and so he can't be the Anakin of the prequels, who's you know can can like run around and you know flip around and you know do all this crazy stuff. He has had to adjust to what he is able to do with all of the excess steel that and durasteel and metal that's on his body, and so. No, just uh, I'm just going to move out of the way and move out of the way and let you tire yourself out. Exactly, and just using I... his his force power. I just love how much they show Vader just using the force to stop to, a like, block, shove her away, or stop a block of a lightsaber. Just how strong he is mm-hmm. was so awesome. And then yeah, eventually, just him stabbing her. I haven't forgotten who you are, young lady. I remember you. And then the Grand Inquisitor himself popping back up and being like, you'll find revenge is quite a healing pad for a, you know, whatever the hell he said. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and she's like, and they just leave her there. They leave her there to basically maybe die. Who knows? But I did like those scene too when, when you know, we saw this a little bit with uh, Rise of Skywalker, just how powerful Vader is where he's, stopping this ship from escaping and he thinks it's what uh. Obi-Wan's on and then he gets it down and it crushes but then that the escape pod kind of thing goes off and it's like oh Obi-Wan was smart enough to know that again his desire for winning did not make him know that everything. behind them you know the little escape trick was great my only real beef of that episode was when the stormtroopers and all them do break through that like one shield there was like 400 of them they should have killed everyone in that hallway like Obi-Wan, it's like Obi-Wan, Tala, Ned, and like six other people. And the only person that dies is Tala. Well, I guess Ned technically dies too, kind of like helping her. I'm like, these stormtroopers are just terrible shots. Like Obi-Wan They're cannot deflect all shots. those, you know. Conscripts. <laughs> Conscripts who, who have not great um, bat- yeah. blasters. Don't uh, but uh, poor Reva. Reva's just left there like, ow. Uh, but she hears the transmitter that Luke is on Tatooine. She's like, oh, he's on Tatooine? Well, I'm going to go to Tatooine. And this leads us to our uh, final episode, part six. And uh, obviously Vader is chasing down the remaining rebels in this path, and he wants to get Obi-Wan. And even though at one point Obi-Wan's going to go off, they're like, it's not enough for... You know, it's just one Jedi. Who cares? We should get rid of all this. And he's like, one Jedi? That's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Follow Kenobi. <laughs> like, Vader is so wanting to get Kenobi. It's just like, he's like, who cares about these other people? They're not going to ruin our plans one day. I want Obi-Wan. He's got uh, his so, on. Yeah. The dude wants his his Kenobi death. Uh, so Vader's like, go off. Go, go that way. Follow Kenobi. So he does. And Reva, yeah, is on Tatooine trying to hunt down Luke. Um, and we didn't mention earlier that it was great to see back, uh, of course, from the prequels. We do have Joel Egerton as Owen Beck and Bonnie P.S. as Baru. And I do like, you know, we always kind of got a little, you know, some of the vibes that they play in episode four of how they treat Luke is, you know, um, he's got a little too much of his father in him. Like they clearly know everything in, of what has happened. And even episode three, you get a little bit of like just just how they treat Luke and how they themselves don't want any part of the Jedi. And even his little, his kind of like not trusting of Obi-Wan, like, I don't want you around here. So I like that we get a little more badass Owen in this. Like he has to essentially fight off Reva in this episode, which is kind of cool. And, yeah. you know, Reva's injured, so she's not really at her full strength, but he just used like that big staff thing and was kind of handling her pretty well. I thought that was kind of cool. Cause I was like, who's going to take down Reva? Like wasn't ultimately when I wanted her storyline. And it kind of felt weak to me that, you know, we didn't really get some big epic. Like I thought, I thought she might fight the grand inquisitor himself or something. And that's gripe Number one, not enough inquisitor action period. In Throughout the whole, whole series, series. Yeah. I, I I agree. They they get introduced and used so well. And I mean, yes, in Rebels, you have a lot more episodes that you can spread them out across and delve into them. And I mean, they don't delve too deeply into it 
into them they have like the first season of rebels the grand inquisitor is a big deal and then later there are later episodes where uh fifth brother and and another sister who i believe is voiced by sarah michelle geller maybe i don't know um somebody and and so there's there's and of course with animation you could do a lot more because you know you could like like they like there's literally a scene in rebels where two of the inquisitors are utilize are using their spinning lightsabers to helicopter themselves into a situation seriously and then i guess somebody even though it never actually happened in this somebody said oh yeah it is canon that the grand inquisitor can also do that kind of a thing um like it would have been great to see something like that but i agree yeah i see some mary agree. poppins action come on yeah exactly penguin I mean, style <laughs> you'll never get me oh, batman exactly. inspector gadget <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it's like the Inqu the inquisitors i i completely agree i mean i understand that you're trying to focus in on reva you're trying to focus in on what her story is but to introduce you know the grand inquisitor fifth brother and i can't remember which other sister that's how much we, we didn't have a much of them <laughs> I mean, they did. Brother like, and the other sister didn't even ignite their lightsabers. They didn't even. They, they were just on their back the whole time. I was expecting a lot more. Like, Fifth brother wasn't even action. in this last episode, and no. the Grand Inquisitor only really has like two lines when he's like, "We shouldn't go after them," and and he's like, "Go after Kenobi," and it's never used again. So now I'm like, maybe they'll utilize them in a future series, or you know, as we, we get to the end here, if we might even have a season two of this show. But they were heavily underutilized and. We didn't really get yeah enough action with them, and it was just I thought it was gonna be set up more of like you know the bait and switch of you fight the Inquisitors, and then you have to fight the real enemy, which is Vader. Which leads me to yes, we finally do get our epic duel of Kenobi goes off to this planet, and Vader follows him, and it's just the two of them there, and I do love again they have like you know I'll do what I must, you know then you will die. It's like. Let's say the same lines we did. Yeah. But this yeah. fight was awesome. And it's like Vader's like, Vader's like, you know what? I have the high ground now. Let me just take the ground away from you. And I was just like, oh, you learned something. Well, first it was um, a great planet. I love that planet they went to. It's kind of like giant dark desert terrain. And then these like huge kind of like stalagmite, you know, spears or whatever. Just yeah, it had a great the towers. Yeah, it was very it reminiscent was cool. of Geonosis, if you think about it. Yeah, it kind of did look Geonosis-like. But this was a great, like, we're back to, and again, you know, something that they, they could never repeat the the speed of the original, of the prequel trilogy because Vader can't move that fast because of his armor. But they do enough in this where, you know, Obi-Wan's going to do his spinny moves and, and you know, a lot of, just a lot of great action. Four or three. I, you know, and I, yeah, his, mm -hmm. his, getting to you but again using force powers uh, this gets a little avatar the last airbender with earth bending i mean they're both using these giant rocks and boulders to attack each other to the one point where it, it kind of reminded me of um it was kind of spider-man homecoming moment where obi-wan just like down like vader has shoved so many boulders and rocks on top of him and i thought you know then he has to kind of come on who am i and it's like then he's yeah. God, he like you know, escaped. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just pelting Vader with these rocks, and I, I love too how in the new, ep you know, since really the new trilogy, the way they use these lightsabers that can really light up their face, mm -hmm. um, naturally was so cool. But, but to me, the my favorite thing of this entire series was Obi Wan getting that final slice on Vader's helmet. And we actually see Hayden with all the, you know, burnt face and his red yeah. eye through one part of the of the mask, and the rest is the Vader mask. Yeah, and just his. Well, then his him utter. switch between the Vader voice because it's malfunctioning yeah. and his voice was his so voice. so duality. And of course, I have not watched Rebels, but I know the scene um, where Ahsoka Tana fights him, and she slices the other half of his face. And there's this cool little yep. thing on the internet where it's like they both were. Obi-Wan and Ahsoka are going to do this, but Luke was the only one to be able to take his whole helmet off. But that's that whole scene when he's just like, even though it's half Hayden's face, it's so intense. And you just see that red yep. and alternating between the blue and the, uh, and the uh, red. I love that line. And it, then again, this adds to that line where Obi-Wan wasn't, you know, BS and Luke. 
when, when he's like, you didn't kill him, I killed Anakin. And I was like, I'm not your failure. Yeah. It was just, that's the kind of dialogue I wanted. Like, like you said, Chris, there's so many recycled lines, but those like those moments were just so or, powerful. I was like, so I, re- I rewound it like a few times. I was like, oh, I gotta watch it again. Oh yeah. And, and, and then his response to that was, reminiscent of what luke says in episode six is like then my that my friend is truly dead yep then my father is truly yes dead. i it's, yeah. it's like those those moments of you know of connectability to it and then um and actually i remember chris you and i were talking about this you saw a channel or some discussion about how each of each of these six parts of obi-wan really follow thematically episodes one through six yeah my of, my friend uh brandon who we song. had on who uh he's a big cosplayer he he i've worked with him before and he was on our batman episode this season for both our main episode and our review of the batman uh he had a theory and i actually do think it works out that if you look at these six parts they follow big thematic elements of the prequels the first episode part one is the we're on tatooine and getting off escaping tatooine Part two is we have the big city, kind of like you know the beginning scene of episode two where they're trying to assassinate Padme and then the escape going to the bounty hunter of this big city. Episode three, we have the big kind of duel by fire, uh, big moments. Episode four, let's go to the home base, kind of like the Death Star and go save the princess. Episode five is the big reveal of, you know, just like the I am your father moment. This is the I was a Padawan at the temple. Reva discussing who she is, that big moment. And then episode six, eventually the big duel. And yeah, it's interesting that if that was really what they meant to do, it didn't feel like they ever like promoted it like we're leaning into that. But I do think that that ties it over more for me as a successful series but there's just these things that were, you know, the Reva angle was weak to me because of they didn't have a successful ending for her. You know, she, after this big duel, invaders left there. And of course, Obi-Wan doesn't kill him. He, he, and he just leaves him there. And he's, of course, breathing really heavily and he's just broken and beaten. And so this is just going to fuel his anger even more that he's been beating again. It's like, come uh, on and fight me, you know, like it's a uh, Kenobi. Pieces out. He, goes back, caps off. <laughs> he goes back to Tatooine and you know Reva's about to kill Luke but she has these flashback moments of her being that age and stuff and she just can't she can't she can't do it so she brings Luke back and has this kind of end exchange with Obi-Wan that uh, she ultimately kind of you know if not 100% turned to good just kind of had a realization that she couldn't go through with it um, and it's just like I don't know if I really the whole you know, we follow this character so much as really our main villain for so long until Vader really took the the screen that wasn't really the ending I wanted. It felt like a, kind of a weak payoff, but they had to do something with their character, I guess. And, yeah. you know, again, we're, we're seeing this trend with Disney, a lot of not 100% villains, these characters that are flawed because XYZ and the trauma in the past. So she's not like dead. She's kind of just left there kind of, <sighs> whatever. Um uh, but we do. I do. I did like this little moment with. Uh, we do get uh, Palpatine, a little moment with Palpatine and questioning Vader's loyalty, um, which of course is a great little moment to pay off what's going to happen later in Episode Six of his eventual turn against Palpatine. Uh, was great. Um, uh, and then you know Leia's back on Alderaan, and she's kind of yeah accepting that she's going to have to be this person's got to follow this this route that's gonna you know change your life but obi-wan will always be there you know yeah it'll be her way and and that's obviously gonna pay off later for her but uh this little last moment exchange with with obi-wan like you know i'll if you ever need my help again you know i'll be there and so i I think that was a great setup for when later on you know oh help me alone come on you're my only you know my only help is a great like that's how that connects and who knows if they're gonna see each other before what would be essentially a new hope but i did like that uh that moment and you know eventually leading off with back on tatooine owen's a little more like okay and he's like you want to meet the boy and yeah and 
we all, yes, had that great moment of, hello there. <laughs> hello there, Luke. <laughs> yeah, so great. And all went, he said it. He did it. But him kind of, I think, taking a renewed faith in the force. A, and okay, uh, inner now, peace. Now I'm going to have to, you know, knowing that I think one day he kind of, I think he now sees Luke as one day now I'll have to train him. And knowing that <laughs> I wish we had a lot more of this. It was such a tease. And I was like, okay, if this is setting up a season two, we're going to get more of him. But we do get a little Liam Neeson action for three seconds, which was like, really, really three seconds. I wanted more, <laughs> but we got, at least we got him. Yeah. You have force ghost. And he's like, Oh, we've got a long way to go. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. about time. Oh, about do you time. show up? And now you're my, uh, uh, freaking Magellan, like my, my GPS. <laughs> you know what? I just did this last like two weeks. Good God. I've been busy. Um, but yeah, uh, I think, the show lift off with a great, like, we could get a season two. And this show has been Disney Plus's, like, bit, most watched show that they've had, Marvel or or Star Wars. Um, so who knows if they're going to do a season two. Nothing's been uh, promoted or confirmed, but we could see more. And even Ewan himself is like, I want to play him more. I've had a good time coming back and doing this character, and I want to do more. So who knows? I mean, there's still, there's still a good... Yeah, eight years until New Hope starts. So, who knows? But overall, the show had some great visual moments, some great acting. I think there was some fun stuff, and it's these little like it's these little like Easter eggs or things that hint to the the previous trilogy or the original trilogy. Some story was a little sloppy, so it wasn't like 100%. You know, I kind of end up looking at it as like, I think I liked it like 50-50 or maybe 60-40. I really enjoyed that. Wasn't so happy with that. I wanted more lightsaber action, period. Um, but again, I think them going with the angle that this is a broken down, damaged, traumatic Obi-Wan that has to kind of refine his Jedi true self. Mojo. Uh, and really finding Vader really to be just awesome. And and again, we always love to see Vader just really showing how powerful he is. Mm-hmm. This is for me going to sit somewhere between probably like at the end of the day, like it's like a six to seven out of 10. You know, it's, it's, it's not Mandalorian, which is really more like a, a nine, you know, out of 10. And even like, I think I gave Boba Fett like a seven, you know, if we, we didn't do ratings yet, but now we are Tim, we're doing like a, you know, one out of 10. One, you didn't like it at all. Ten is like top notch. For me, it's going to sit around six to seven out of ten for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Yeah, I'm a, I'm going to give it a seven out of ten for me. I think it's, again, it's one of those shows that I think like I would have enjoyed just w- binging it all the way through because, you know, it it's one of those shows that it, it get, if you do it all together, it's more cohesive. The Vader stuff was amazing. Having you and Hayden and um, a lot of these other great cameos back was great, but not having a lot to do with our kind of main villain and some of the other kind of, you know, kind of predictable plot stuff was kind of, um, kind of frustrating for me. I'm going to give it a seven out of 10 as well. I, I, I give it a seven, maybe a 7.5 out of 10. Um, you know, I, because there were, there were, I, I agree with both of you. There were, there were definitely story points and story plot lines that left a little bit to be desired. I mean, I thought, I think Moses Ingram is a, great actress i mean love her in the queen's gambit thought she was fantastic in that and i thought with what you know what she was given i thought she did a pretty good job but i also felt like reva was almost like johnny one note in many respects she just kind of stayed at this very specific anger moment and there were times when you saw it lift a little bit but it was as part of like oh i'm torturing Leia, so i'm gonna be nice to her oh wait nope nope okay no and she kind of keeps that level all the way through um which in some ways plays into she's trying to play a part to get to vader um but you know hey this was a show where the main where the named main character is in every episode unlike book of boba fett and i and also just the design uh, the design of the overall look of everything i mean going back to um the uh, citadel inquisitorius fortress inquisitorius i mean just Thinking about how, you know, when when Obi-Wan walks into the tomb, walks into that one hall with all of those Force sensitives who have been killed and then are just 
are there, which, yep. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here going, okay, so this must be part of what the emperor is trying to do with the whole cloning thing and trying to create a force sensitive body that he can put his consciousness into. I mean, there, there has to be some use of these, of these bodies because I mean, midichlorians are still technically canon. So they're, you know, harvesting that, but also just in the main inquisitor room, I, I don't know if y'all noticed, but you probably did around underneath the windows was a ledge and those were all lightsabers from Jedi that they had killed and captured. And it's like, it, it's something that they don't draw attention to it. They don't zoom in on these things, but it's just like little design elements to really set the mood and to set the world, the world building. Um, that's something that I think that John Favreau and Dave Filoni and Doug Chang have done so well with these three, with these new shows. We have, you know, with Mando, with Boba Fett, with uh, Obi-Wan and then leading into Ahsoka and, and Andor and all of the other, and the other shows that they're doing is they are expanding and creating world building what we already know. And that's something that always, that with these shows, will always kind of add that little extra half point for me. It's just the, the dedication to creating these worlds. And um, yeah, I just, and, and, you know, we get to see a little bit more of um, the Lars homestead, you know, as they're running around trying to defeat Riva, you know, you get, you get an understanding, uh, you find out where Luke gets the little toy of the model ship that he's playing with in episode four. Um, I mean, yeah, the world building for me is kind of what's, you know, just all, we'll always add that little bit of extra half point, I think for me. Well, yeah, I do agree with that. And uh, I think when they do pay attention to detail, it definitely uh, adds a little bit more flair for us to kind of look around and look for those Easter eggs and things. And maybe, maybe one day we'll get more of an Inquisitor show or, uh, you know, there's been rumors of a Cal Kestis show, uh, which had heavily plotted with the Inquisitors. So who knows? Who's we're going to get with the future, but this definitely uh, is a series I think worth watching. Uh, thanks again, Tim, for coming today on the podcast to talk about yeah, absolutely. Obi-Wan. Uh, I know we'll be very excited to uh, look ahead uh, coming up in August with Andor uh, coming out, which is going to be a very different vibe and different beast uh, to look forward to, but uh, you can go back and watch all six parts of Obi-Wan Kenobi, now streaming on Disney+. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.